0: Welcome to the trials and tribulations of a 40 something. My name is Amanda, and my main goal with this podcast is to share other people's journey, how they face challenges and struggles, but yet turn their lives around. If this can help give another person a sense of hope that they can do the same and move forward in a positive way, well, then I am fulfilling my goal. Today I am joined by Michael Mantoni, performer, creator, author, speaker, and survivor. Michael is from New York City and devotes his life to helping others grow. Survivor most definitely describes this guy. After being abused at five years old, he went from seeing the good in people to finding it difficult to trust and becoming a hurt, wounded and angry young boy. However, sometimes it just takes one person to see your potential and believe in you to help you view the world in a different way. Michael calls these people his angels. He has most definitely turned his life around and is now in recovery 16 years. A charming, delightful man, a joy to talk to, and a joy to listen to. Are you light and clear, Michael.
1: Oh, it's so perfect. <laughs> welcome, welcome, welcome. The missing link has worked.
0: <laughs> oh, I was going. Oh my goodness, how am I going to connect to? to how am I going to connect to Michael? But I did.
1: Oh, you know, connection—connection connection is a wonderful thing, and I think that, you know, when we really focus towards it, it'll happen. It'll somehow happen, and yes. it did. It, and did. it did, and
0: it was seamless. That was like effortless.
1: Yeah, yeah. Well, you know, I think I feel like you and I are very uh, go with the flow type of people. So, you know, whatever happens, we we thrive in chaos.
0: Yeah, very much,
1: <laughs> very much so. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I'm just, I'm just assuming that I, I definitely do, but I'm assuming that uh, about you.
0: Yeah, I, I tend to, um, I set myself kind of good intentions of being slightly more organized, but I, I think I'm more organized chaos. And if something needs done, I'm like, yeah, yeah, it'll be grand, it'll be grand. And then last minute, it's like, oh Jesus, but you get there.
1: Oh yeah, yeah. Well, you know, there was a meme once that said something about. Um, is oh I'll just wing it and it said about things that I definitely should not wing
0: yes that's that's my life all over but (laughs) I'm gonna I I need I forgot to introduce you (laughs) Michael welcome now your surname is it pronounced just how it's spelt or is there like a wee kind of a fancy way to say it
1: um it's montoni but people say mentone you know all different versions of it it's uh it's all good
0: yeah, I was thinking um, it would be probably like Mantoni or something like that rather than just Michael Mantone, because yeah, Mantoni's far more fancy.
1: <laughs> well, thank you for I appreciate you uh, you getting that because not everyone does. So
0: yeah, so Michael Mantoni, uh, performer, creator, author, speaker, and survivor, which jumped out at me there. Uh, welcome to the Trials and Tribulations of a 40-something, and thank you for taking time out of your busy life uh, to have a little chat with myself. Um, I think, I, I don't know if I explained to you, but I, I usually explain to the people I'm chatting to that the idea behind the Trials and Tribulations is that very few people get through life without some kind of struggle or challenge um, or obstacle or loss or grief or whatever. And um so many people have gone through those challenges but yet have managed to turn their life around in a in a positive way. And whenever I have people on chatting about the the curveballs that life has came in their direction um, and they have overcome them or they're still working on overcoming them, but are determined to uh, people who are listening who are currently maybe struggling or, feeling as if they just don't know what direction to turn or whatever, it gives a sense of hope that they can also turn their life around. So whenever yes. I said their Survivor, which jumped out at me, so that kind of tells me that um, you've had a few curveballs of your own.
1: Oh, for sure. For sure. Well, first of all, I would just want to say thank you for, uh, for having me. It's such an honour. Um, you know, I think that it's such a gift that, people miss about being seen and being heard and being and feeling valued mm-hmm. and so uh this is a huge honor for me to uh to just to come speak with you today and i i love the concept uh behind the podcast and and the mission behind it because obviously this is something that uh is a mission of mine as well um i've always wanted to help people since i was i can remember you know mm-hmm. since i was a little boy and um i think that through life it was difficult to figure out how and i so i think that what people constantly looking for uh, their purpose in life, and uh, at the core of it, most people really do want to help. I feel like, and yeah. uh, we feel like sometimes we're so in our own struggle or we're in our own uh, learning process that it can become difficult to uh, see that, you know, see the forest for the trees, so to speak. Mm-hmm. So, um, yeah, so definitely, I'm I'm really excited to uh, to chat with you today.
0: Oh, and likewise, um, and I, you know what, Michael. I just and it's something that I've always just had. A, I don't know if it's a fascination. I it's just I love hearing people's stories and hearing about what not. And it's not because I want to hear that they've struggled. It's not that at all. It's that I want. It's I just be fascinated by people's mindset and how they overcome things. Or but like I know, like for some people, um, they can try one way of dealing with something whether it's working on their mindset or whatever it is other people are going to try something different but just people just fascinate me and and that's probably as well why i take such joy in doing them this podcast and yeah so whenever it helps people get their story out and if they can help or you know advise people in some way, shape or form, will ensure everybody benefits.
1: Definitely, definitely. Well, I think that's the human condition anyway, you know, and, and none of us are exempt from that. I think that's why we go see movies about heroes overcoming struggles and, uh, you know, watching. I've always been really fascinated personally by how people become how they are, you know, because yeah. we're all born, We we start off as these babies, which are just pure love and light. They are soaking up everything, every little bit of experience, and and they're learning, you know, not even just daily, but but minute by minute, they're they're picking things up, and they're, uh, you know, they're adding that to whatever their eventual identity becomes. And and you know, I think that's fascinating because when you look at the biggest villains in the world, if you look at the greatest saviors of the world, they all had to become that way, and yeah. that is you know com- a combination of your environment and your experiences and, and really who you are as a person, how you respond to those things, I think. Um, and so, you know, that's been a great, um, source of inspiration for me is to really look at, because I, I too love people's stories. I love to hear, I'll, I'll sit and listen to people talk about their life forever. I think it's just (laughs) incredible. You know what I mean? And I learn I learn from, from the best and the worst and, and really a perspective that was very interesting to me, uh, when I became an actor was the fact that I I tend to play a lot of villains and I tend to play a lot of anti-heroes and things like that. So I was always fascinated with the fact that no villain ever sees themselves as a villain. And you can't, in order to play one of them, you have to have an empathy and an understanding of who that person is, how they became that way. They look at their situation as justified. They look at their situation as I need to do this in order to X, Y, Z. And, and when I look at myself in my own life, you know, we're constantly thinking of ourselves from the seller's perspective instead of thinking of ourselves from the buyer's perspective. Mm-hmm. And, and that is really an important thing for me is to be able to step outside of myself to look at the world from someone else's viewpoint. And so in order to help them, which, you know, going back to my mission, in order to help them uh, to be able to see things through their eyes and through their lens, because I haven't lived their experience. I've lived with myself 24 hours a day, seven days a week, For now, you know, what is 40 years? Um,
0: (laughs) You're a baby.
1: Yeah, I'm just I'm just a babe. You know, the 40 is the new 20. But I think that, you know, we we keep that light. We keep that light. And if I'm learning every day, you know, I feel like I'm very childlike in that way. And I I like to keep things light and playful because the world can be very, very heavy. And obviously, you know, as you mentioned, you know, a lot of our experiences can also be very heavy. But, uh, you know, I'm I'm Sicilian, Italian, you're Irish. We know about celebrating the dark days. (laughs)
0: <laughs> Absolutely.
1: <laughs> so, looking looking at that silver lining, so to speak, so, um, yeah, it's...
0: Uh, and it's, have it's you, a, you're, obviously, you, you come across as a very kind of positive person, has that always been the case?
1: Yeah, I think it has, but it's, it, a lot of it was more internal, um, because for a long time, when things shifted, uh, things got very dark and and I became, honestly, you know, just to be, you know, very transparent and vulnerable, uh, I became a very hurt, wounded person and a very angry person at times mm-hmm. on the surface. Um, because again, I didn't know how to process and I didn't know how uh, that I had permission. Uh, I didn't know that I could drop the armor yet. I wasn't strong enough. I was still too fragile and too vulnerable. And, you know, I think that um, as children, we have a lot of things heaped on us and we have a lot of things happen to us as I did. And um, until we have a model or until we have a representation in our life that that's okay to not be this way, you know, it's like kind of like the elephant tied to the post Mm -hmm. when it's, I don't know if you're familiar with that uh, story or that analogy, but uh, for the people listening that might not be um, it's where, you know, a baby elephant is tied with a rope to, to a post and, It's not strong enough to break free from that. And so over time, the elephant grows in size and eventually it gets big enough to where it could rip the post from the ground with no effort, little to no effort. And you can remove the rope at a certain point and the elephant won't go anywhere. It'll stay there because in its mind, it believes that it's still tied to that post. And I think that is such a poignant thought. And with me overcoming the things that I have in my life and getting through the things that I have with grace. You know, I, I really believe that if you're ever walking down the street and you see a turtle on top of a telephone pole, he didn't get there by himself. Mm-hmm. So he he had help. And, yeah. and so I definitely am blessed to have had the the people in my life and the examples and the models and and the love. Um, so just, you know, quick shout out to all the, all the friends and family and people in my life that I love so dearly because without them, I'm not sitting here talking to you and I'm not the person that I am. I wasn't able to get through all those dark days in order to really embody, because I would say that I've always been a positive person, but I was never able to fully embody it until I was able to heal from a lot of those things.
0: And was there, you're saying about the the dark times, the dark days, was there like a moment where you, you know, you were saying about you'd be angry and things like that there that you thought, no, I, I, I can't live like this anymore. I don't want to live like this. Was there like a turning point?
1: Uh, yeah, I think there was a lot of turning points. Actually, if you don't mind, uh, I can tell you three. I mean, there was a, there's been a hundreds of uh, maybe thousands of really key moments in my life that have sort of progressed me or, or opened up my world. But, um, you know, three key points in terms of, you know, when I was five, mm-hmm. um, and this is something that I have not talked about too much publicly, but, Mm -hmm. um, it's something that I'm not afraid of. And I think that it's important for people to hear. Uh, when I was five, I was sexually abused by, uh, by a neighbor, by an older gentleman. And, uh, I, you know, I, I can say gentleman because I, I have forgiven, Mm -hmm. you know, I, 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 I believe forgiveness is a process for myself, not for the others. And I can't forgive in a sense what he did. It wasn't right. Um, but, I needed to let go of that pain uh, in my heart, but I was, uh, I was abused by this person. And luckily through the training that I had had and through my own, you know, spirit, through grace, through something, I, I got away and I told on this person Mm -hmm. and they were arrested and sent to jail. Well, it turns out that they had been abusing children all up and down the Eastern seaboard. And I was the first person to come forward and to get this person um you know put away and for a long time I actually thought that uh because he ended up dying in prison okay and and I relate to Maya Angelou very much in the story when she says she thought her voice killed a man because I I really believe that and for a five-year-old to believe that your voice killed a person when you're nothing but love you're nothing but openness you know uh, my yeah, my my five year old my five year birthday party looked like a model UN. You know, I had I didn't see, I, I saw the differences in people to celebrate them, but I didn't see the difference in their humanness. And so I believe that if you were a good person, then I wanted to be around you. And mm-hmm. so this was the first time that 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 kind of world was shattered. And so from that point on, um, I learned not to trust. I learned. Uh, not to, I I learned shame in myself because at that time, this was, you know, the early 80s and I didn't have therapy for this. I didn't have an outlet. It wasn't okay for me to, and at five years old, I couldn't process what had happened, you know? And so fast forward to uh, when I was nine uh, and we, we lived in Europe actually at the time. And we, my parents got a divorce and I went to fourth grade in three different Places I went in England, uh, and I went in New York, and I went in California to to fourth grade, and I had seen, you know, atrocities, and and so it was interesting to me how this foundation got laid, and then it kind of got solidified, but there was a key moment that happened that year when during my first bit of fourth grade, and this is something that I think is really important. The people that show up in your life, the angels, I call them. Yeah. um, Really are instrumental in causing positive change. And I was in trouble constantly. Uh, I, I got in a really big fight on the school bus one day, and my parents were politely asked by the administration to never have me ride the bus ever, ever again um for the for the rest of schooling. Like this was <laughs> such a bad fight that they said, we don't want him on this bus ever again. And I was ready. to. I almost got kicked out of school. Um, I was getting into trouble. I was hanging what out with were older. What age you
0: then, Michael?
1: Uh, I was nine.
0: That was when you were. And do you think, sorry for cutting across you, but do you think you were just so full of anger and all at age at that age after what had happened to you when you were five and you just had no idea how to channel that anger? And that's why you started to act out in that way.
1: Um, a little bit, but I think that there are w- even more so. And this is another key point, too, is because, uh, you know, I grew up in very poor neighborhoods m- a lot of my life. And mm-hmm. I find that a lot of people that get into trouble, um, they don't see any other way. Like they there's a sort of fatalistic uh, feeling to their life where they you know, if you look at inner city kids, a lot of them believe and see that they're going to be dead by the time they're 18, 19, 21 years old. And so when you view your life that way you're going to live it in a completely different way than is if you're going to live to be a hundred and you're going to, you know, give to the world and be abundant and, and have all these wonderful things. And there's a very different mindset that comes and, and sort of ideology with the way that you look at your life. And so I think that some of the things that had happened to me gave me this sort of, I don't care attitude, honestly. And so I would get into trouble and I was hanging out with older kids. And, and the interesting thing was that through all of this, Um, You know, I was stealing, I was doing all the things that some kids do, but I was really, really um, not acting like a good kid. And, Mm -hmm. um, and I was, you know, on my own a lot. And there was, they were, at the same time as I was about to get kicked out of school, they were also suggesting that I skip two grades, because of my academic level. And my parents refused to have them because they were afraid that I was going to get influenced by the older kids in a negative way. Mm-hmm. <laughs> what they didn't know was that I was actually influencing the older kids I was in a negative say, way. You were the ringleader. <laughs> I was. I was, and I was this little, little, little old boy. So if you look at it, I was the smallest of the group. I was the youngest of the group. And I was, you know, the one. So they never nobody would ever assume that, right? Yeah. Um, but here was the the point, the turning point for me was that I had a, a teacher named Mr. Williams and he was physically handicapped. He was almost blind. He had cerebral palsy, uh, and some other, uh, you know, physical setbacks that he Mm -hmm. had to overcome. And this man was the first person to look at me and not see a bad kid, but to see that I was bored, to see that I wasn't being challenged, to see that I wasn't being inspired. And he said, that's, uh, to my parents, and, and he recommended even. He was like, I, I don't I would hate to lose this kid in my class, but I I also recommend that he skip grades because he's just not, he's too bored and he's disrupting the class. And Do you so, think
0: Michael? There just sometimes it just takes one person to believe in you and to see your potential. That oh
1: fully, fully sometimes your you know, direction. Because for someone that's never been seen, yeah you know, like that's what happens with a lot of people who have never felt loved. And then the first person to come, sometimes they run from that because it's such a foreign thing. They don't believe it. They don't trust it. So, Mm -hmm. but sometimes it really just takes one person and, and key people. That's why I think we have a responsibility in the positions that we're in, you know, whether we have privilege or whether, you know, for me, I'm a man and I, I come across as a masculine man and you know, for all the different labels that you can give me the way that I'm perceived and I have to be aware of that. Mm-hmm. Um, I take that as a personal responsibility that I have a voice that's unique and I'm uniquely qualified to help certain people. And so when I get the opportunity, I always do because I know the power that that had in my life and that's how it. much it affected and changed me for the better. Because I think without Mr. Williams, who knows what it would have happened. I yeah. might not be here today. So I'm, I'm eternally grateful um, for him definitely
0: yeah no I said uh, just some it, it it is amazing how because even different ones that I've spoke to on here and in life in general who have said uh, but I remember whether it was a teacher or whether it was a a friend that's a family or whether it was even just some random stranger that said something or did something or seen something in you to make you kind of go uh actually no, this is not the path that I want to take. I want to go down a different path. So that was, was that around nine years old as well, that, that teacher come into your life or?
1: Yeah, was that it? was a big year for me. So, I mean, to living in the three different locations, to almost getting kicked out of school, to uh, to having this pivotal moment happen at the same time. And also my parents were getting divorced at that time too. So um, there was a lot going on in my life that I couldn't process and I didn't know. And And so yeah. to have this person who, I mean, yeah, he was a teacher, but- to me, he didn't have any necessarily additional vested interest, except for the fact that he just had a kind heart, and I. That's why I am so much of an advocate for um, having the courage to be kind, yeah. no matter what. Because the people that you affect the most, you'll never hear about it. They'll change their life. They might save lives, countless lives, mm-hmm. because of a smile you gave them on their bad on their bad day when everyone else was being rude. You know, the way that you can get someone to open up to you just by showing them that you have an ear and you're willing to listen to them and hear them um, without judgment is is such a huge, huge part of just carrying that forward. And I really, really believe in human kindness as a healing tool.
0: Oh, absolutely. And something else you had said there, that whenever you are seen, it can make such a difference because sometimes you feel as if you're going through life and like nobody see one, you know, like, you know as obviously what you're meaning not i don't mean like as in just can you can see the person but to genuinely see who the person is that you are talking to and what they're about like that in itself is the best feeling
1: oh yeah well empathy you know you're meeting them where they are you're not it's not that sympathetic well i feel badly for you or i'm looking down at your situation you know because people uh, with disabilities even they don't want to be coddled to uh, just as celebrities don't want to be venerated and put on a pedestal. They want to mm. be seen as a human being. And I think that those are two completely opposite sides of the coin sometimes where people will see one and see another, you know? So I think the perspective has so much to do with it that, you know, no one is exempt from the human condition and we're all at our core. We want the same things, you know, we want connection and love. Mm-hmm. Uh, we we want to be seen, heard and understood. We want to okay. feel useful um, and just for that one person to be able to look at you and, and break through that, that can change your whole life.
0: Completely, completely. So was that then your um, the kickstart for you becoming a good little nine year old?
1: Sorry, becoming a what?
0: A good little nine year old boy instead of um being it,
1: naughty <laughs> no. yeah it was it was the seed um i definitely had a lot of years after that where it didn't take root yet and uh that's another thing to to remember too i think with healing because uh, i talk to people all the time whether i'm working with kids or uh you know marginalized groups or uh just people who have dealt with trauma and abuse um i've, I've spoken at a lot of different um types of like places like uh, women's centers um juvenile detention centers prisons um you know, people who addiction centers, like all sorts of different types of, of lifestyles. And um, it's important to remember that, you know, we plant a seed and then we don't start screaming at the seed as to why it hasn't blossomed yet. You know what I mean? Like it takes time to water it. It takes time to allow it to come through. And then once it comes through, it needs time to grow and it, and it needs to be nurtured. And if it's not, Um, you know, that thing could die before it has a chance. And Mm -hmm. you never know what it could become, you know, that, that giant oak tree that you're sitting under for shade, that your favorite spot to read um, started as a seed, and somebody and something like all the forces had to come together in order to nurture that thing. And so, uh, you know, I think it's important to remember that healing can and oftentimes is very messy and can be messy. And growth is messy. And, Just like we were talking about in the beginning, how you and I thrive on chaos, right? Well, what is chaos for one thing is complete order for another. And, you know, if an egg is broken from the outside, that causes death. But if an egg is broken from the inside, life begins. It's the same thing with the butterfly and the chrysalis and, you know, this metaphor for our lives. And we do this, we break through that shell so many times. And if we don't give ourselves a chance, that's like looking at you know your you do podcasts and and I'm sure you write and other things that I create as well. that's like looking at your your creation as you're creating it and and saying that negative things about it. that's like taking the ingredients for a cake sitting on the counter and saying this cake is garbage. Well you haven't had it it hasn't been built yet. it hasn't had a chance to to be tasted, you know we don't know yeah. what it's gonna be, and so uh you know leaving that grace and leaving that space for ourselves and for the things that we bring to allow them to blossom, I think is paramount. It's such an important thing because we'll do that for other people. When we care. You know, we'll do far more for other people than we'll do for ourselves sometimes, Absolutely, but in yeah. order to put that mask on ourselves and then we can go out in the world and be able to help others.
0: Yeah. I think sometimes we end up putting way more pressure on ourselves than everyone else. And I've said it many times, like, and just as, as you have just said, that when it comes to other people, we can be so kind and caring and understanding. But then when it comes to ourselves, we are our own worst enemy, our own worst critic. Um, you know, and even like back to the healing, it isn't something that happens overnight, as you have said, like it can take a lifetime to undo what has happened in your early years.
1: Oh, 100%, 100%. And I'm, you know, I, the last six months, I've had three surgeries. So mm. it's never been more evident than, than that about, you know, pushing myself, but remaining patient and remaining kind to myself in that healing and knowing that, well, I've been through this before. And that's the strength that comes with all of this is that, you know, you've done more with less. I guarantee if anybody thinks about him, Amanda, if you think about a time in your life when, that was a very, very difficult time, or even something currently that you're struggling with or dealing with, I guarantee you, if you go back in your life history, you will find the exact same or similar situation that you went through, but you did more with less. You knew less, you had less, Mm -hmm. whether it was resources or whatever. And so that alone will give you the strength to be able to endure, because you're saying we all have the same problems. Some of them just have more zeros on the end. Yeah, And so it feels like it's a different scenario, but it's exactly the same. And, and that's the key to my understanding and unlocking that life hack that says everything is fundamentally the same. It's when we put all the other stuff on it, that's when life is interesting because now we have all the facets and the differences and the labels and that, you know what I mean? Try a million different foods, but at their source, we're all carbon-based life forms that are all made from the same stuff. You know, yeah. 90% of us is space, which is energy. And and that's just a wonderful thing. It's just, you know, to remember to when I can get back to source and remember that, like, there's and that's nothing so, wrong with me.
0: Just the way that you've said that, like, it's funny talking to you or listening to you talk, the few light bulb moments that I've had that you're, you know, whenever, like years ago, when you think of something that you struggled with and, you know, I didn't have the same kind of mindset is what I have now and I got through that so like and even yet and I've discussed this many times as well even with having a a healthier mindset and what have you there's still days that you're going huh right no I'm just not feeling it but (laughs) allowing yourself to have those off days
1: but just oh yeah
0: unpack there
1: well you know listen cheat days from my my normal, like, and I don't use like to use the word diet because it's a lifestyle for me. I just, you know, I, I like to eat healthy and, and whatnot, but my cheat days are my favorite days. And I don't eat dairy unless, but I'm a New Yorker. So when I have pizza, I'm not having vegan cheese and I know <laughs> I'm going to pay for it. I know this, but you know what? <laughs> it's worth I'm it. I'm willing. It's completely worth it. And <laughs> you know, the, and the mess creates the message. It's like, if, if life were perfect all the time, or if we always had the key no, it wouldn't be interesting. And we'd get so bored. You know, the, the law of familiarity states that it's like the the things that you uh, have that are constant in your life, if you don't continue to make them fresh, then they're they're going to you're going to get bored of them and they're going to get stale. And, you know, my grandfather used to tell me all the time he was uh, he was about 20, maybe 26, 28 years sober. Uh, he was a paratrooper in the in World War Two. Uh, he's a paratrooper. Sorry, he was a um, a uh statey a state policeman in mm-hmm. boston area he's done so many things he was a condo association owner he always told me keep it green keep it green keep things and, and that's why i love kermit the frog so much um <laughs> uh, because he is just such a light of seeing everything as it is and seeing it for the beauty that it has not pa- bypassing it because oh i've seen that you know, and it's such an important uh, way for me to look at the world just the same way a child does who's discovering it for the first time. I try to listen, listen to people as if I've never heard what they're about to say.
0: Wow. That's a, that's a pretty good place to be that like, so every day you look on life, even though if you're heading down the same across Brooklyn Bridge, that you look at it at a different kind of, you look at it in a different way every single day.
1: Oh yeah, and I do that actually. That's so funny that you mentioned that because every morning I wake up and I have the Empire State Building outside my window and I literally look at it and I take a deep breath and I'm it's like I've just just arrived. You know, it's like that feeling of my like my family back when they came across to Ellis Island and when you immigrate to the new world and all this stuff, right? And like that first day and you're like I'm here or the day when you get on vacation and and yeah. you're just, you You step off the plane and then you get onto the beach in this tropical environment and you're just like, your whole body is washed and, and it's clean and it feels fresh and it's amazing. And that's how I feel every day of my life. And it's not to say, I, I'm, again, I'm going to be very open about this. Um, it's not to say that I don't have bad days, moments or whatever it mm-hmm. is, but the ability, the gratitude I have and the deep sense of just love for the world and people and myself and the... The grace that I've been shown allows me to to get back to uh, on the beam, so to speak. You know, I always talk about it—the connection. We we live in a, in a Wi-Fi world, and when the connection's on, it's beautiful. And when it's off, we just troubleshoot until we get back. We don't sit down and go, "Well, I guess I'm I'm not meant to be on Wi-Fi."
0: You know, yeah. we we
1: we troubleshoot it until we get back on the beam. And I think that if we do that with our lives, you know, we can always get back there, and that's always possible for us because. You know, until your heart stops beating, it's not over. So true. So true.
0: So, Michael, after when you were nine, then did I know you had obviously to go through then sort of healing what had happened to you and making peace with that. And, you know, even saying that you have forgiveness for that person. Um, but I, I understand what you mean, that it was more for you than for him. Then was that you kind of getting yourself back onto the straight and narrow after that, or what happened then after?
1: Um, it was it was piece by piece, and and I w- I want to tell you like a quick story. Um, about how, you know, how I got to that point because the next point is, again, I think that when you watch biopics or read biographies a lot of times, yeah. or when you, you see the highlight reels of people's lives or you, mm-hmm. you see the, the way it was and the way it is, and you see like sort of this, they always do this vignette that lasts about two minutes that has music over it uh, about the person training and the person going through the struggle, but you never really see those little moments. And, and again, this is gonna be maybe a little crass for, uh, but I, I call them the sphincters of life. Mm -hmm. because these are the choke points these are the uncomfortable points when the make or break moments when we don't know what's going to happen next you know we we really don't the bird doesn't know the first time it flies if it's going to drop to the ground and die Mm -hmm. but it flies it just goes for it right so i think that the uh i i have a process that i use in my head and it's um respire aspire perspire and inspire and what that means is that is to breathe first you know the first thing we do when we're born is to take a breath and the last thing we do before we die is to take a breath and so before I do anything that's the very first thing I do is I remember to breathe and I and just take a deep breath in and -hmm. then to aspire my brain is oxygenated my my soul is reset and now I can think and focus put the focus on what it is that I need to do or what it is that I want or what it is that I want to be and then the uh, perspire part is the work you yeah. know it's the, the prey and then grab a shovel and so once the the work and the progress and that's where you meet yourself I think is where when the where the rubber hits the road to so to speak where you put the your feet the boots on the ground and you actually get into the work that's when you really realize because we can talk about it we can think about it we can dream yeah. about it But until we put it into action, it's not real, you know, and then through that, through that struggle and through that triumph, eventually, that's how we inspire others and ourselves. Every time we do something well, you know, you, you gain self-esteem by doing esteemable acts. And so if I get up and just make my bed, even if my day is a wash, Mm -hmm. I know I did at least one thing right. And that's something in my control. Washing the dishes is such a therapeutic thing for me, and it's so stupid and simple, but it really is healing and transformative on some days when I feel like I've done nothing there's, I can always give, I can always still smile at somebody. I can say a kind word. I can make my bed. I can do these simple things. And going back to Mr. Williams, this is the story that the, what he caused fast forward to 2005 mm-hmm. and it's March 8th. And I am laying in who I've actually left fled California, And I went back to Florida and I moved in with my mom for a couple of months. And, uh, and my mom at the time was, was struggling with, uh, you know, alcoholism and getting over alcoholism. Mm -hmm. I was deep, deep in addiction. And, uh, I was on several different types of drugs. Um, I was on, on a lot of alcohol. I was depressed. I was just completely, I was ready for death. Essentially. I I just wanted to go. I wanted an end to it. Mm -hmm. And I was laying in the bed and watching, there was a movie with Michael Keaton called Clean and Sober, and mm-hmm. it was about his cocaine addiction and alcohol addiction and and how his life spiraled out of control and how he went to, uh, ended up going to a rehab and then starting to turn his life around. And I was watching it, and every time it got past the the drug phase into like the healing part, I would turn it off and start it over. And it was about four in the morning, and I called uh, a help, like a suicide line and a, a helpline for for addiction and then i made a decision at that moment that i was going to check myself into a rehab because otherwise i was going to die and part of that was my uh my mother had uh, her boyfriend coming to live with her and he this is someone who had abused her oh. and and i want i was going to murder the man okay um point blank i was going to murder the man and in that moment i said to myself it's not worth it
0: no His life,
1: his life is not worth mine. And if his life is not worth mine, my life is not worth living this way. And so what I did is I went the next morning, I I woke up my mom at 6am. And it was a no brainer for her. And we went and I checked myself into rehab. And as I did my intake, they took my breathalyzer, and they checked my vitals. And the intake doctor, he said, he looked up at me, and very surprised. And he said, I don't know, how you are awake and coherent, let alone alive based on these. Now I was 127 pounds, six foot one, emaciated, just a complete mess of a human shell of a human being. And I checked myself into rehab and the rehab was full. And Mm -hmm. so they put me into the psych ward. So for the first time in my life, I realized how sane I was because I was in a, in a a mental (laughs) illness psych ward and when I finally went to rehab a couple days later, they had a spot for me because this was a key moment too, when they, they were going to check me out and said, we don't have spots. We're going to, you know, we may be able to get you in in like 30 to 60 days. And I looked the man in the eye and I said,
0: <laughs> "I won't be if here I leave, yeah. Days. If,
1: if I leave, I'm going to die. Yeah. And he said, hold on a minute. And he made a phone call and he says, get your stuff. You're going to the rehab. Now I went into the rehab. And as I got in there day one, first thing, we all were put into a classroom sort of environment. And the first thing they told us was 1% of you in this room will stay sober. 1%. This is the this is the hope that they're giving us on day one in this rehab. 1% of you, and I don't know what it was, if it was just that middle finger in, up my spine, or if it was Mr. Williams or whatever it was, there was something inside of me that stood up. And out loud, I said in front of this room, I said, well, I guess I'm going to be that 1%. <laughs> and I turned to the room and I said, and if all of you decide right now that you're going to do everything you can do and everything you need to do to stay sober, then that number will change from one to a hundred percent. Yeah. And I went and sat down and that was over 16 years ago. And I have not had a drink or a drug since then.
0: Wow. Oh my God, Michael, Jesus. and But you know what the amazing thing is about? some humans i know some people do they can't sort of dig deep but when you are faced with like in your situation it was either do or die like you find that inner strength from somewhere that just makes you go no actually i i i want to keep on going i have to i want to live
1: yeah and and if you don't know what that where that comes from sometimes, nope. and I say this all the time is that people need to believe in themselves, because if you've ever heard those stories about uh, a mother to literally lift up a, you know, over two thousand pound car to save a child. Yeah. And she doesn't know where a human can't just go do that. But yet yeah. they did it right. Yeah. And and once you see that, the possibilities open. Like the first time a, a, a person ran a four minute mile, you know, I've seen there's 80 year old men and women who run five minute miles. And there's, I saw, uh, what was it about an 85 year old woman doing deadlifts and squats in the gym, uh, more weight than I probably do. And so it's like, when you, I think that that's why I think example, the power of example, uh, representation for people to be able to look at others that are similar to them doing things to believe it. Because sometimes all it, again, going back to it, all it takes is that one time for it to register in your system and for you to see that you are capable and you are limitless if you really believe in that. And Absolutely. that may take time to get to. It doesn't say that, you know, it's not that thing about like, oh, the secret where I'm gonna decide in my brain, oh, okay, I'm healed, or oh, okay, mm-hmm. I'm, I'm rich, or I'm this, or, you know, I'm in love with this person. That will take the process, but that seed, that's when you know it's time to start watering. It's time to start growing. And then what you do is you get to work supporting that idea and that's where you know to your question earlier that's where it happened for me it was really a process over time it didn't like the ideas those aha moments or those moments of epiphany they kept happening over and over and they continue to that's why I get excited I write every single morning every single morning I get up and I prime I do like a sort of a meditative pranayama breathing I get myself into a state of gratitude and of possibility and I get my you know my hot lemon water and my fresh celery juice. And I make a coffee and I sit down and I write mm-hmm. and I, I do like a brain drain of free writing. And every day I write, I look forward, not, I hope not. I, I wonder, I look forward to the blessings and miracles that are entering my life today. Wow. So it, it sets me up to look for miracles because they're commonplace. You know, everything really is a miracle. And so when I start to look for those things, where my focus is, that's what I'm going to experience. And that's where my life is going to go. And it's going to head that way.
0: And it is funny how um, it's something that you hear so much more now. Gratitude, gratitude. People are starting to realize the benefits yes. of gratitude. And just, just a wee tip, just I'm sidetracking here slightly when you mentioned your lemon water there. Here is one you could. I told you I would go off on a wee tangent every so often. I love um, it. First thing every morning, uh, if you try that, well, you don't have to try it, like, but I'm just, you know, putting it out there. Uh, fill a mug half full of cold water from your tap, or if you, wherever you have your water, and then top it up with boiling water out of the kettle. And the temperature of that water is the same temperature as your insides so you you chug that down or you you, you gulp it down <laughs> you chug it down and what that does is it kind of kickstarts um like your your insides don't have to work you know hard to start to kick stop or kickstart your metabolism or anything like that there it's the, it's the temperature of your insides and it's good for your digestive system, your skin. your. It's just amazing, Michael, apparently. And I have been doing it for oh, quite a while now. So you could try that.
1: So it's working for you then?
0: Well, I think so. But you take it I before mean- you take anything, coffee or anything. That's the first thing you do every morning. And it just rehydrates your internal organs. and um. But as I said, it's not putting, because it's the same temperature as what you're inside is it's kind of as I say it doesn't need a it's not extra effort for your body to kind of cool it up or uh warm it up even or cool it down so there you go there's my tip for today and you're welcome
1: <laughs> I love it thank you very much yeah wow well and, and, and I have a glass of water I, I do curcumin drops um which is the the base of uh oh my goodness why am I blanking now you even think my so mind was sharper daddy, than this
0: you're at that age right? I know
1: yeah I'm just advanced, and my you know <laughs> the mind is going no I get so full of possibilities. I told you before I get distracted and and my mind runs with so many possibilities I get very excited and so you know when a like a little kid is trying to tell you something and then they're like um um, <laughs> me, me, um me, me, yeah. they're so excited to tell you and then you say <laughs> okay what tell me and then I go um yeah and then nothing and then uh, nothing, so I'm okay. I feel like it'll come to me. It'll always come to me. It
0: will come to you. But even back to the gratitude, it is such a, and I don't think people have realized how beneficial and what feeling grateful actually does.
1: Oh, yeah. Well, that, that kickstarts everything else, you know, yeah. and, and, it, and it resets me. For somebody who's beaten uh, depression and anxiety, uh, gratitude is has been a huge part of that because, you know, when I'm thinking, when I'm depressed, it's because I'm usually, unless it's a, a chemical thing, a clinical chemical thing that needs to be healed enough to deal with, Um, you know, because my mother was, was had a lot of that and had to take medication for a little while to yeah. get to a point where she could uh, manage it, you know, and I think that that's what people forget, that they either want to sit in the problem, or they want to brush off the problem as mm-hmm. if it's, you know, non-existent. and sometimes just like with with healing from a surgery, sometimes we need the crutch at first to get off and to start walking again, but that process, as long as we go through that process, we can heal. And then you know with depression, if I'm thinking about my past and badly about that, um, I'm not grateful. And when I'm thinking about the future and being anxious, then I'm not grateful because if I'm grateful, I'm in the now, yes. and I'm looking at things as they are. And I always say that like I'm neither uh, a pessimist. Uh, a optimist or a realist? I'm a possibilist. I'm so, always thinking in terms of what can be, and okay. that keeps me forward thinking. And because when I think about being possibilist, then I'm grateful for what is, because I look at the situation exactly as it is, no better, no worse. And that kind of like usually will jog me out of. And again, this is this is a muscle. This is like anything else. It's, yeah. We we expect with mindset because we're intellectually able to understand the fact, because most people are smart enough to get it. They know what they need and what they want. And so we don't have to tell them, you know, motivate them through that. It's just, but what most people don't get is that that's a consistent action that needs to be taken. And that needs to be built over time. Like I don't do 50 push-ups; I do one push-up 50 times.
0: Okay. And I focus
1: on that. and And over time, you know, your body will acclimate to anything. And that's the truth. Like they've done studies, even like if you if you push somebody over and in, in like, not to be too morbid, but we're, you know, I, yeah. I grew up, I grew up in England and, and, and that's very dark humor over there sometimes. But um, <laughs> yeah. if you fold somebody over in a coffin yeah. and they're going to be in agony, right. And then yeah. you close the top and eventually though, they're going to get used to that. And that's going to become a normal position for them. And then if you try to bend them back to normal, They're going to be just as uncomfortable standing up straight as they were to be bent over. And so what that leads me to believe. And in my own experience is that I can get used to anything, whether that's freezing cold showers, whether anything that's uncomfortable in my life, uncomfortability is the seed and the pathway to growth.
0: Yeah. Your mind and body kind of adapts to. change. Oh yeah.
1: Oh yeah. Because you know, again, your, your body will, will keep going if your mind keeps going and it will go further and further. I mean, there's a lot of people that, you know, espouse that belief and that, that talk about the science behind that. Um, But that's been my experience as well, is that anytime I'm able to, like next time you're doing something that feels physically uncomfortable or difficult, purposely think about something else or think about music that you love or think about uh, the opposite climate. Like if you're in cold, take a cold shower and literally focus your mind on fantasizing about a beach, about a tropical beach. And see how long. Oh my goodness! I didn't even realize I've been standing here for two minutes, and it doesn't even feel that cold.
0: Wow! Yeah, <laughs> I've never thought of that before. Yeah. Um, so, with regards the the forgiveness, which I imagine didn't come easily, was that something that once you started to go through? the gratitude kind of things that that happened or was that whenever you were in rehab that you worked through all that or is that something when did that start to take place
1: uh over time with my relationship with myself as that Mm -hmm. grew as i was able to forgive myself because i really believe that the way that we treat others and the way that we allow ourselves to be treated is a direct reflection of of the way we're willing to treat ourselves and far like we said um many of us treat ourselves far more harshly than other people are willing to do. Um, And so that's why we wonder why sometimes we get into involved into relationships where, you know, people are either mentally or verbally or physically abusive, or we get into jobs that uh, are unfulfilling and the person is overbearing on us is because there's something inside that allows that in. And I've always said that, you know, people don't necessarily attract, you know, Oh, I attract all the wrong people. Mm -hmm. It's, People that that are like, and I don't want to use the word bad, but uh, I don't know another word for it. But, you know, just for sake of argument, uh, bad people are attracted to all people. Yeah. It's just that some people let them in. Yeah. And that's the key to remember. So when I stopped letting them in, they stopped being an issue for me. And then I was able to take a step back because I realized when you're in a situation, you can't heal from a situation you're currently in. You can't deal with the situation that you're in the middle of of dealing with, you know, you can't process that. And so that's why people say like, you need to get out of a situation before you're able to start healing from it. And so once I was able to step outside of that a little bit and meditation actually helped me a lot, a Mm -hmm. lot with that. I've meditated consistently since I was young and um, you know, that always gives me a center. It gives me balance. It gives me gratitude And the more I do that, then the more I'm willing to go out and practice that in the world. And so when I go and give to others, I try to serve others. Every single day I wake up, I try to do something to move the needle forward in my life, like something as far as an endeavor, whether that's through my career or through my uh, sense of personal growth. Uh, And then I do something for myself that is frivolous. Something Barry that doesn't important. have to do. Yeah. I mean, people forget this because they'll be like, <laughs> yeah. oh, I'm I'm doing that for myself. Oh, self-care. But like, are you really? Does this thing most yeah. of the time I would I would put that into the uh, the growth bucket versus the the frivolous fun? Like when did you go color? When's the last time you got some crayons out and colored on a picture? When's the last time you sat down and read something for fun purely that didn't have any meaning on your life? Uh, and so I try to do things like that or I go play with a kid or go sit by the water whatever yeah. that might be yeah. and then finally i do something to serve others i try to find a way to bring value to the life of others in some way shape or form and i've found that when i do those three things my day always feels amazing it always i get to the end of it and i lay my head on the pillow and i just feel like yes i rocked and i crushed this day and so that was a, that was a start for me to be able to forgive but i had to forgive myself i had to forgive myself for feeling shame i had to forgive myself for uh, feeling less than, uh, for needing. And and a lot of times we have, it takes a lot of work to go through that and to go back. And if you're willing, willingness is the key. That's uh, hands down the key is willingness. If I'm open and willing, I don't even have to believe. I just have to believe that someone else believes, or I can believe that Mm -hmm. I can believe like it's two steps removed, but that willingness will get you there. And then once you've started the process, it be, again, it becomes easy. It becomes by rote and pretty soon it's automatic. And then you're waking up every day and you look like a morning person, which I wasn't. I was a night owl until I wasn't. So, you know, all it's the things that they're, they're yeah, they're like, yeah, they're like outfits, you know, we put them on, we say, whenever I say I am, whatever I say after that has power. Yes, very much so. And, you know,
0: I'm just thinking like, you were, you know, what I was saying about forgiving yourself. When you think about it, you were well, you were a child. You were just a little kid um when all this had happened to you. And I remember reading somewhere um the way I'm saying about how we can be so critical of ourselves and the thoughts that we have of ourselves can be so detrimental. But um I had read about this person had said get a photograph of yourself as a child and say the things that you're saying to yourself repeat them to the picture of the child that you're looking at because ultimately it's the same person and you wouldn't you wouldn't say it to the child and that's the thing like in your situation or your story you, you were like a five-year-old child a nine-year-old child going through such a horrific experience that it's just when you think about having to forgive a little five-year-old who was just so full of innocence and, you know, out looking at life with, again, excitement and all that, and some other person took that away from you.
1: Yeah. No, and that's, that's an amazing point. Um, Because uh, that's actually a book that I'm writing right now. I'm writing a nonfiction book that is based around that principle about the fact that you're not at fault for the things that have happened to you, Mm -hmm. you know, even down to the points of like, yes, we may place ourselves in situations to be hurt, but it's the fault of the person who did the harming. It's the fault of the situation. Sometimes, you know, like pure accident or dumb luck that things happen to us sometimes. So it's not our fault Mm -hmm. that that happened, but it is and becomes our responsibility to process and to heal from it if we want to live the life that we imagine and if we want to be the person that we know we are inside, because I really truly believe that children are adults who don't know how to express themselves yet. And Mm -hmm. then adults are secret children inside. We're not that much different. And I guarantee if people listening, if you or I go back in every situation currently in our life, we're not much different fundamentally from how we were when we were very little. Yeah. We've just put all these labels and we've put all these uh, habits onto ourselves and we want to make things different than they are. But it's so simple when we go back to that, like how would a child look at this situation purely Mm -hmm. from just a light standpoint? And that again, like to your point, that is, it's a mindset shift, you know, Um, part of this book, it deals with my, you know, my three steps is your focus, your perspective and your momentum determine everything. And the perspective is by far the most important part. And I think that if, whether it's a CEO who is rich and successful and has, you know, a family and has all these things, all the trappings, right? But is unhappy. Yes. Yeah. And you look at a poor person who just can't make it, they're, they're fulfilled in some ways or whatever, but they just can't get those relationships because they can't afford the, li- the lifestyle that they want or to be able to experience things. Because they're just trapped in this sort of, I'm going to get up and go to work. And I'm, you know, angry because now I have to bring my child to do this and get health. You know, all these people are exactly the same in the way that their perspective, once it shifts, yeah, then their focus comes into play. Because a lot of people are very focused and they have momentum. But if you, there's a dissonance there. And yeah. if you're pressing on the gas, but you have your foot on the brake the car is going to spin and it's not going to go anywhere. And eventually it's going to break down. And so there's, there's a there's a problem with the operating system. So you have this fancy Apple computer and you have all the latest apps and you have all of the best programs, but the operating system has a, has a virus in it. So nothing's going to work right. And eventually it's going to, it's going to shut down. And we're exactly like that. Our brains are computers that look how to solve problems. Our heart, you know, gives us this lead, as to where to go and our, our gut is guiding us, but we can't listen to that because it's so covered with so many things. And so once we're able to get and gain that little bit of perspective, and again, sometimes it just takes somebody else looking at us and saying, you're okay. Yeah. You're perfect. I love you. you know, And it can and be it, such
0: a simple shift.
1: Oh, a hundred, a hundred. And it, it is, that's the key word. You said simple. It's not easy. No. Oftentimes it's not easy no. and it's not immediate. Yeah but it is definitely simple and that means anybody can do it
0: yeah and so many people have done it and will continue to do it and like that's what I'm loving about chatting to like the likes of yourself and other people is here because you know the way sometimes in life you'll come across people and they, they it's constantly the oh per me per me per me why me per me per me and then when you hear so many inspirational stories about people who have had you know have had a shit experience for want of a better word but yet they have refused to allow what has happened them in their past to define their future or um you know as you you had said as well like that you know they've decided right okay that happened to me but what am I going to do to change that my future is going to look brighter it's going to look happier. I'm going to feel fulfilled. I'm going to live my purpose, my passion, whatever it may be.
1: Oh, definitely. Definitely. And that's why I think the work that you're doing is so important because you never know who's going to just randomly come across and be led to something that they're going to hear either yeah. you say or one of your guests say that is going to shift their entire thinking. Like they're going to know that at least someone else out there feels exactly the same way I do. And there was, this happened to me countless times, but there was a speaker a while back that I came across and, and I use this today. Um, Particularly it's, it's poignant because I had to have a a septoplasty for an extremely deviated septum and a bunch of breaks from stunts and sports over the years. And I couldn't breathe really properly for about 15 years. And after the surgery, I couldn't breathe through my nose and I almost couldn't breathe much at all. And there was a, a danger. I had to sleep a certain way because, you know, I could die. And there's something that he said in his, one of his speeches, was that when you can't breathe, that's the only thing you're concerned with. That's the only mm-hmm. thing that you want to do. Mm-hmm. And I look at the, what I say all the time is the fact that if I'm worried about a situation, if I'm stressing over a situation, it means that I'm not directly in it, that it's not a danger because if it was, I would be dealing with it, not worrying over it. Okay. And so yeah. that him saying that shifted and solidified what I already believed, but was afraid to express the fact that when you really get down to it, just breathe. And (laughs) from there, you know, your heart gets up and does its job every single day without being asked. The sun rises and does its job no matter how you feel about it. Right. Yeah. And they're made of the same things that I am. And so I can do that too. So that power of example and that, you know, you doing this and us speaking today, we never know who that one person could be that their life shifts after they hear us speak yeah
0: absolutely absolutely and I think that's so, why we do that where are you with regards trust now is trust something that i know you'd say it, that it was you'd struggled with trust um is it something that you would still kind of struggle with or is that have have you put that one to bed
1: Uh, it's pretty much sleeping now. Uh, it's good to go because, and I'll tell you why, um, I've learned that, you know, over the years, as you gain that esteem, as you gain that strength, as you're able to move into that frequency of love, um, you can really set down the armor and you realize that you didn't need it. Like I would get bullied a lot growing up. And once I learned how to defend myself, the energy that I carried, people naturally wouldn't attack me anymore. And I couldn't figure out at first why that was. Mm -hmm. But the same thing with forgiveness and what something I learned, there's a key difference. And I I talk to people about this a lot where there's a difference between authenticity and openness. And I Mm -hmm. think people get the two confused a lot. And that's why they get hurt. They meet somebody or they get into a scenario or situation and they trust fully. Right. And it's not people. Trust is earned. It's given and it's earned. And if I want to be trusted, I have to give trust. But in order to gain trust, I need to, I need to earn it and they need to earn it. And that, that comes over time. So that when you look at a romantic relationship, you don't fall in love with the person right away. You might feel things for them, yeah. but until you learn who they are and see them in their moments of weakness and see them in their struggles, see them when they're overjoyed or when they have everything, because those are the moments when people become themselves truly and deeply, where yes. they're unafraid or unaware of the moments of character that they're showing us, right? So I think that in order to be completely authentic all the time, that's going to allow the people that will see that and will appreciate that to gravitate toward you. And when your your openness is what you're comfortable with, it's the same with gambling. I only gamble what I'm comfortable losing, which yeah. for me is usually zero because I don't like to lose <laughs> money. I just like to make it. But but I'm a I'm a blackjack player, and and I only gamble with what I'm willing to lose. And so if I give to somebody, I give without expecting. Like yes. I'm, even if it's a loan, I don't expect that they're gonna pay that back. I know that this money is a gift and it's gone. If it comes back to me, great. I do the same thing. I give freely with love, without expectation. And the expectation is a lot of times why people can't trust because the one every time the expectation isn't met, you learn to trust yourself a little bit less. And if you have no expectations, then you can trust yourself fully you can trust other people and i think that the authenticity is where that starts but the openness comes with time and i think, and I think that if we just flip those and get because most people these days you'll find that we're getting there we're get, I definitely think there's a tipping point yeah. and i see a lot of progress with people and i'm i'm so overjoyed with that because i've been waiting for this time of life to happen but i think if we flip that on its head and focus more on the authenticity and less on the openness I think that that's going to allow us to trust ourselves and each other a lot more
0: absolutely absolutely so what is next for Michael Mantone
1: next um I'm in it you know I'm in a I'm in a change process I just um I moved again uh back to the city so I'm sort of in this I'm I'm feeling new and renewed and rejuvenated
0: Michael I have to say
1: it's beautiful, and I I actually am, yeah. am very impressed because I'm I think I'm one of the few Americans on your podcast. I've heard yes. most uh, most are either uh, English or or Irish or some, somewhere in the UK.
0: Yes, you are. I, I yes, you are the first. I'm speaking to a a lady tomorrow who is also American. Um. So yeah, make a wish. Make a wish. <laughs>
1: Yes. Well, New York's getting the ball rolling. I'm happy for that. <laughs> I'm really excited. No. Um, but yeah, as far as next, I'm actually working on uh, publishing. I work a lot with children and I all the work that we've talked about, I really yeah. believe that it can start there. If we start kids in the right frame, yeah. they're going to grow up and change the world for the better. And that's what I really, really believe in. Um, and I know this to be true. So uh, I've actually written a children's book Uh, that i'm working on publishing this year that uh, is already aligned with operation underground railroad um and i've talked to their reps and uh, i want to put some funds towards feeding america as well because i really believe i was uh food insecure and Mm -hmm. on welfare growing up and i never want anybody to uh have to feel like that if possible so um, I definitely plan on uh, using the Tom's model and donating a book for every book sold, wow. as well as uh, donating money to these causes to build bridges for children that are marginalized, either whether they're uh, people of color, whether they're immigrants or refugees, whether they're in the LGBTQIA community, um, whether they're uh, at risk as, regarding poverty or addiction or other things like this coming from abused homes. Mm-hmm. Um, I just really want to create bridges for these children because I think that when people know better and they believe they can do better, they will do better. Absolutely. And uh, so this is part of a, a book series that I have three books on the, uh, on the boards. Um, one of them is written and is partially illustrated and working on publishing. The next two are to follow. Um, and, and so that's a big uh, focus of mine, as well as, uh, you know, just enjoying my life. I, I am really a, a big advocate. So I've been attending marches and rallies, which have had uh, some change. Mm-hmm. Uh, regarding equity and inclusion, and um, you know, just you know, representation of of people. Uh, I really believe in people, and I think that we should all have the same opportunities. You know, we all are born with different skills, different privileges, and and all sorts of things. But I think if we all have the same opportunities, um, the reason why I got where I got in my life was because I happened to be. Uh, very intelligent. And I, my academics and my other things got me out of the poverty that I was in, but not everybody has that opportunity. And yeah. I, so I think that there are so many people that would change our world if they had that chance. And so for them not to be erased and for them to be seen, heard and valued so that they know and other people know the value they can bring. And and so that's really my mission and that's where I'm at right now.
0: Oh, that's amazing. Michael, thank you. It has been an absolute joy chatting to you and i for one am delighted that you have turned your life around and are now living how you want to be living and happy and enjoying each day um and yeah it has been so so lovely
1: yes i'm very very grateful to speak with you and uh, and also you know i just want to side note um your Irish accent has the bro the brogue is just I'm living for it so this this makes I could speak to you for hours and I would never even if you were reading a phone book I could I would never get tired of it so uh it, it's been a pleasure and definitely and and uh definitely set me my day to, off well.
0: um do you want me to like read the audible on your one of your children's books
1: <laughs> I actually was going to suggest that I I may be calling you because uh I, I think a friend a mutual friend of ours. Uh, Will be illustrating the next one in this because I I want to have um, independent um, female artists uh, illustrating these books and oh, so yeah. I have my my friend Alexandria who is an amazing prolific artist and uh, and then I believe Miriam is probably yes, going sure to be working on the the next there. one yes so uh, so I definitely will keep you in mind uh, <laughs> because I I think I would love to have you do some Audible uh, it would be wonderful how
0: <laughs> funny would that be that would be amazing Irish accent
1: (laughs) yeah well when we when we when we write our short story uh, you know The Missing Link then yeah exactly you (laughs) know all about our trying to get on the podcast
0: (laughs) Michael look after yourself and uh, I'm sure I'll probably see you somewhere along the way in one of the club house rooms Um, and and yes look after yourself stay happy and I, I wish you nothing but Success and happiness
1: from For here sure on. For sure, the then. same blessings and blessings and much love and uh, and thank you again. And I hope you have an amazing evening.
0: You too, Michael Ticker. All right, ciao. Bye. Don't forget to like follow, and subscribe. And remember, if talking about it has got you thinking about it and you would like to share your story, get in touch. Until next time, take care.